0: Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. It starts on page 916 in our Pew Bibles. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats.
1: king will reply, Tru- truly, I tell you, whatever you-, you did for one of the least of the- these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then we will say to, to those on, who- on his left, depart from me, who- you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and I gave me and I gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when when did you see we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not and did not help you we he will reply truly i tell you whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me then they will go away to eternal punishment but the but the righteous the righteous to
2: eternal life. Very little has changed since the time of Christ. Very little. The technologies have improved, I'll grant you that. I don't know if that's uh, necessarily always netted us a richer life. But when it comes to the politics of power, very little has changed. Money and power still command the best. Money and power still secure the greatest freedom, the best use of the law. Money and power still, still secure the best goods and services, the highest status. Let's be honest, in this culture, we respect and give credit to incredibly stupid and immoral people. and I'm not being nearly harsh enough in case you think I've just gone overboard. Some of the celebrities that we know the names of ought to be wearing a scarlet letter and harvesting wheat somewhere in a field. (laughs) And instead, we make them even more rich and more spoiled and more powerful because we give them the time of day we give them attention we're intrigued by their sex by their beauty by their something what a society first class accommodations go to the wealthy and powerful only very conscientious and or well to do people afford organic produces Longevity and education both improve with socioeconomic status and power. <clears throat> nothing has changed. And nothing has changed in the words of Christ since the day he spoke them either. It is a given. That we will do what's required of a powerful person, for they might have control over us. And it is a given that we'll do anything for someone desirable or someone of uh, appropriate power and status. We just do. Very few people will stand in any kind of resistance to that social order. And at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't commend anybody for giving the king his due. He says, I was the one who was hungry. I was the nobody who was dispossessed. I was that person who got sideways with the wrong people, did something I shouldn't have and ended up in prison. I was the infirmed. I was the ill person. I was the person of no account that you ministered to. We have an entire class of people in this country that have become virtually invisible. And I'm not talking about the mentally ill homeless. You can smell them a block away if you can't see them. I'm talking about the marginally homeless. I'm talking about people who have lost their jobs, eventually been evicted from their homes, but are living in their motor home or their camper or their car or are surfing from couch to couch in one person's house to another person's house. They can stay with family, but they wear out their welcome within a couple of days or a couple of weeks, so they're on to the next family member. They have no stability. That class of people is growing so rapidly in our society. And they're invisible to us. And they're not the wealthy, and they're not the powerful, not at this moment. Last week I talked about being stewards. Some of you were here for that. What do you think of when I mentioned the word steward? I heard tithe. I heard caretaker. Airplanes. Airplanes. Well, a steward is a caretaker for the passengers. That is exactly what that is. Any other ideas come to mind? fine if you don't have anything off the tip of your tongue. Essentially, we have been given blessings, benefits, gifts, and graces. And God has called us to steward these. When you usually think of stewardship in the church sense, it's tithes and offerings. It's money time. Now, I didn't talk about money much last week. I'm not going to talk about money much this week. If you are not tithing and bringing an offering as the Lord has asked, that is for you to consider in something between you and God. It's that simple. But I did note that your choice affects the body. That in order to be stewards of the good thing we have in community here, it takes multiple participants. We might have a few people on board here who can give $5,000 each this next year to church budget. That's fantastic. Some may even 10. Better still. But we never reach budget without everybody kicking in what God has called them to bring. We never make it without more people participating. Because it isn't about the wealthy and the powerful providing. It's about the body coming together and each doing its function. Right? The heart's the chief chief organ in terms of this area, and the brain's the head of all. They're both great, but they don't make it without a colon. (laughs) Thankfully, there's only one elementary canal in the body of Christ, or only supposed to be one. Um, but when you get to the end of the day, we don't make it without our parts. Body goes nowhere without its legs, at least in a traditional sense. We do know there are exceptions. So without belaboring that point, I talked a little bit about how we steward our opportunities in the year to come, how we steward our community, how we steward our ministries. And I gave the example of potluck and spun that out for you. Today I want to talk about stewardship of something slightly different. And that's stewardship of perspective. stewardship of the larger community. It's stewardship of our planet, so to speak, and our human situation in general. It's the way in which the church becomes mindful of its ultimate purpose and mission. You see, there's a thing called the social gospel, and it's gotten kind of a bad name because it's been embraced through the 60s, 70s, and 80s by Catholics more than by any evangelical or Protestant group, by and large. So it's kind of identified with that. It tends to be identified with liberal theology, and liberal has become a four-letter word in our society, and so that in general has become a negative thing. And yet at the end of the day, it doesn't differentiate in Matthew 25, come you blessed conservatives or come you blessed liberals of my father. It doesn't matter it says, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me to drink, I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you cared for me, I was in prison and you visited me. Is is that fairly clear? It doesn't differentiate whether you're a Tory or a Whig. It doesn't differentiate whether you're a Democrat, an independent, a Republican. It doesn't differentiate. It simply says this is, this is what you're called to do. We are called to be stewards of justice. Stewards of mercy. Stewards of the grace that God has given us. Even stewards of communion and community. That's why we do what we do. Jesus said, whenever you get together, whenever you eat and drink, remember me. And that gave birth to a Passover-like experience that carries forward in the Christian church known as communion. And it's practiced differently in so many different church families and denominations. And today you have it I'll explain a little later but you're going to have a chance to experience a little differently than we normally experience it and hopefully it will freshen it and make it different for you meaningful perhaps in a way that it hasn't been recently I don't know we'll see but we're stewards of these things let me put it in more down to earth terms because I think we're used to thinking in terms of tradition You might have a family tradition. I don't know what it might be. Maybe it's something surrounding Thanksgiving. The family tradition is that every Thanksgiving, all of the nuclear family and anybody else that can gather is there around the table, and starting with the uh, senior patriarch and ending with the youngest, somebody states something that they're thankful for. Any of you have a tradition something like that? A few of you do. You're stewards of your own family tradition. And you pass that along to the next generation and tell them that they are now the torch carriers. They must be the stewards of that family tradition. Most of us uh, don't have large inheritances and fortunes that we receive in today's world and society. First of all, because... They're taxed heavily, but um, that said, we would steward a fortune were it to come our way, would we not? I know some of you would go out and blow it, but um, hopefully we would steward it. I would go out and blow part of it, I have to confess. I, I am guilty of lust of the eyes. Lots of beautiful things in this world. I could always think of something pretty to buy. I don't know if that helps bring it home to you at all or not. But let's just just look at a couple of these tears one by one and flesh it out just a bit. We said last week we're stewards of our own community so let's ask ourselves what that looks like that means that you all of you who are not just members here or long-time members but i think paul said it well today in family matters those of you who are long-term friends of the church and even shorter-term friends of the church maybe you've moved to this community and it's only your second and third time here but you're here And this is the place that you're looking for community at the moment. Together, we are responsible for stewarding this community. And that means caring for it. And what that looks like ranges. There's just so many things that that looks like. It starts with being willing to be known. If You can come to a place of being willing to be known. That's an important thing. So one of the first gifts you give when you bring is your name. My name is Greg Honus. It's nice to see you. One of the second things you do if you've been here several times is bring your name again and again and again and again because people like me are likely to forget it. Not intended, it's just the way the mind... The mind's like a sieve sometimes... The second thing you can bring is a sense of God's calling in your own life. If you're unsure of that and are exploring that, that becomes something that's part of your own personal journey in stewarding community. But we're here to help you with that. The third thing you bring in stewardship of community is an attitude. Ooh, did I just say attitude? I thought we only talked to children about attitudes. I know that there are mornings I need an attitude adjustment, even as an adult. If I can come with an attitude of service, if I can come with an attitude of readiness for worship or a willingness to let God's spirit in this place and context open me up a bit from my tired and tense and closed week, To his spirit, where I can breathe, and where I can receive, and where I can in turn give. That's stewardship. When we have an opportunity to learn of the grace and goodness of our God, when we have an opportunity to learn something more from the scriptures we hold sacred, that becomes something we need to steward. It's difficult. Difficult. What would happen if you took, if you've never studied a lesson before, Friday night and gave it half an hour? What a revolution. Some of you study every day, that's amazing. What if you got here at 9:30 for your children's sake, instead of 10:10, or 10: 40? What an opportunity for your kids to get the full curriculum, to learn from their teachers, to give the teachers the opportunity to teach, to be a blessing. Stewardship of opportunity. What would it mean in loving care if we came to understand that someone among us had a need? We have a shepherd's fund to help with some of those kinds of needs. Maybe you donate to that. Maybe the need is much greater and we need to talk about what can be done. Maybe in your time here, you realize that what you do as a career is something you can help with here. You're an accountant and you're very good with auditing and you would like to help finance committee. Make sure that we stay honest and responsible. Maybe in your career, you're a party planner. Hello, social committee. We're waiting for you. Maybe in your career, you get the picture. Maybe your spiritual gifts have nothing to do with your natural gifts or what you earn a living at. Maybe God's just called you and given you a passion for something like evangelism. Or nurture ministries where you're caring for people in very specific ways. You're responsible for stewarding the gift God has given you or you're going to lose it. That's biblical. It'll be taken from you and given to another. Did you know that? And then secondarily, you're responsible collectively. We are together responsible for bringing these these capacities and these gifts into service that the body might thrive. When we go to the next level, and I've not spent a lot of time talking about our personal stewardship of our health. I mentioned that last week. Our moral choices. I mentioned that last week. Our families. Your first call is to your family. That doesn't mean living chaotically and never making it to other things. But that does mean recognizing the primacy of certain relationships and the sacredness of those relationships. And the incredible blessing and responsibility that God gives us in each of these relationships of parenting, of being children, of being husband or wife. So, I hope you understand that as background to the conversation on church. And then we look at larger community. We've had our eyes opened, haven't we, in the last decade? We've gone through several things, Pastor Roethler especially, that required getting to know a few of our neighbors. You heard me this year talking about an MUP, a minor use permit, so that we could have a school here again. That was part of stewardship of our local church and facility. But in speaking to some of our neighbors, we found out that not all of them loved us. (laughs) It was a shock to our systems to discover that some of them actually seemed to wish us ill. They have responsibility for their own choices in relationship to how we connect and what fruit that bears. But our overall and overarching responsibility is to be good neighbors and stewards of the community that immediately surrounds us. That starts with taking care of our own place, doesn't it? Which brings us back to all kinds of other points of stewardship, dollars and service and so forth. Then we're stewards of the larger Santa Clarita Valley because in terms of our presentation of the gospel, our unique vision of what it means to be a Christian, our unique understanding of what it means to be a human being, we are the only church in this valley, Adventist church in this valley, ready to serve. We have a stewardship obligation to grow. A stewardship obligation to teach. A stewardship obligation to mentor, to listen, to share, and to be taught. That one was an expensive one, wasn't it? But you pay the bills, so you deserve to get it. You see, what happens is we sometimes get the idea that life is all about what we're going to put forth, what we're going to tell, what we're going to give. And what we don't realize is that sometimes in giving, we receive more than we could have imagined. And part of receiving Is a growth that takes place in our souls, a growth that takes place in our spirit, a growth that takes place in our outlook that says the circle has to be drawn more widely, bigger. More need to be included. The community isn't just me or my family or my few friends at church or my Bible study group at church or church itself. The community isn't just those who love us and hate us that immediately surround us. The church is the church large and invisible and pervasive. It's a network and a fellowship. And the more you understand about it, the deeper a mystery it becomes. You start to fathom words like, "Sheep have I who are a knot of this fold." One of the things I have appreciated about Bunny's prayers, if you've heard her pray, is she thanks God for this, one of his many houses. Or one of his houses of worship. I love that. This is God's house, but it's certainly not his only house, is it? We're stewards. Then when we get to a more broad level we're stewards of the freedoms we have I'm hoping we'll be able to talk about religious liberty in the next couple of weeks next week the 22nd is religious liberty offering Seventh-day Adventists have been so strong in this area and yet do we care we're not just stewards of the gospel we've been given we're stewards of the freedoms and the context for sharing that gospel we've been given and I'm telling you to the one who's been given much much is required I don't want to overburden anybody but mindfulness and appreciation a willingness to step it up and speak out write that letter Send that subscription. Vote. We're stewards. We're stewards. I will give you an insight into a mentality that is all too common, but that should be an anathema to all of us. Here it is. Pastor, don't you know that Jesus is coming soon? None of this really matters. Wow. Wow. My grandfather died in 1992, and he was certain, positive, that the Lord was going to come before he passed on. That's almost 20 years. At nine years old, I was certain that I would never see my teenage years, let alone grow up and marry. I won't tell you how old I'm getting. But you've taken my youth, if not my beauty. (laughs) Time marches on. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be a year. It could be heresy. 200 years. Paul just said 10,000 years. Let's hope not. I don't know the day or the hour. I don't know when he's coming. I'm only called by God through Christ to be faithful, to be ready. That's it. Faithful and ready. So in the meantime, people matter. Revelation 11 tells us that he's going to destroy those who've destroyed the world. The planet matters. He spoke it and said after speaking it into its place, it is good. Let's not get neurotic or psychotic over this or obsessive-compulsive but in your daily choices, try to remember that it's a big planet, but it's not an infinite resource. That it's a resilient place, but we have the capacity to destroy. And then, let's remember humanity. Oh, the Adventist Church has more. Outreaches, missions, things that you could shake a stick at. That's part of where your tithe goes. Did you know that? Believe it or not, tithe is not an ubiquitous black hole. Monies go and They go up a chain and they come back down a chain. And some stay at each place along the way. Some 64%, depending on who you talk to, give or take a percent, stays in our local conference. I have the good fortune of not having to depend on one congregation's economic status to earn a living. The network of churches pay the network of pastors. and administrators, and elementary teachers, and Bible teachers in high school, and principals, and so forth. We have 36% of that money going up to support the union, which takes about 12%, the GC, which takes about 11%, and includes NAD in there. But the rest of that is going to individual functions and ministries, ministries for the blind. They're not usually... Societies most glamorous or powerful, or wealthy necessarily, the deaf. We have ministries for people who can't read. Hope for Humanity, five or so of our church members, six, have had the privilege of going to El Salvador or Nicaragua and seeing literacy circles where people are taught first to read and then given Bibles. They've been wanting to read the Bible their whole life. Most of you own about 10 of them, and a lot of you have never gotten through one of those Bibles. And they're dying to read. Stewards. We have ADRA, which goes into places like Haiti post the earthquake and post the cholera outbreak. Ministries for AIDS victims and orphans in Africa. We have radio ministries that penetrate places like Saudi Arabia, I ran, give. Teach us, dying Savior, how to live. Wonderful hymn. It is the self-sacrificing, giving nature of Christ who, by the way, if you study his life, stewarded his own time and energies. He was not constantly giving. He was not constantly with the crowds. He was not constantly providing for their needs. He took time for family and friends. He took time in solitude and retreat. He took time in public ministry. And he took time with his disciples' mentoring. So this is not a call for you to bleed out your life in the next week or month or year. It's a call to steward your life in the context of community. To fulfill what Christ has commanded and to live out his example because it was in giving that he showed us how to live. And the giving was the giving of self-sacrificing giving. That's the model. I wish the earthly, I I long, don't we all, for some sense of ease here. But it doesn't yield strength. Help a chicken, a chick break out of its egg and it's going to die. It needs the work of chipping it away and opening up the shell for itself. And any Christian who's going to thrive and survive needs to chip the shell away themselves. You have work to do. Wow, you said amen to that? Awesome. Could be a really good year. You never know. (laughs) We have work to do. And it's a work patterned after Christ. And it is why he tells us, come, take up your cross. Follow me. For I am meek and lowly of heart. We get no credit for living as the Romans lived, serving a Caesar, honoring the rich and the powerful, paying our taxes when the tax collector and the centurion with his spear shows up. We don't get credit for that. We get credit when we do as Jesus did. And we minister to the people he sent us to care for. And with that, I'd like to explain the next part of our service. I'm going to invite our elders forward. Today we're going to celebrate communion. Communion but we're going to do it in a single gesture that's different than you've experienced before. Rather than a few serving all of you, I want to see all of you active in taking care of yourselves and one another. Rather than a gesture that's passive, you sitting and receiving, I'd like to initiate this time a gesture that's active, that's purposed, So there will be deacons at the back of the church who are going to start moving forward and they're going to dismiss you by row. As these deacons dismiss you by row, please bring your prepared offerings and tithes and place them in the offering basket here at the front. If you do not have anything to give today, that's okay. If it is... I, I know how this works. Sometimes I write a check and it's, it's once a month and it looks like I'm not giving anything three Sabbaths of the year, of the month, but, I, but I've done my giving in one shot. Some of you do that. It's okay if you don't have anything. But come forward anyway, down the center aisle. You can thank God for the blessings that he's given you. And then I want you, if you're on this side, to turn to your left. And if you're on this side, to turn to your right. Right and please receive the elements the body of Christ in the form of bread and by the way I say that not literally I say that symbolically Adventists, I have it right in this regard I believe we eat a symbol until the day in which we're united with him and we have the juice the wine, the blood, call it what you will When you've received these elements, and the elders will be blessing you, when you've received these, please carry them back to where you are seated now. When everybody is seated, one of the deacons is going to make a quick trip around to serve those of you who are not able physically to get to the front. And at that point then, I'll instruct you, Uh, as we share those elements together and move toward dismissal today. So at this time, our offering for church budget will be collected via you walking up, and our communion will be dispersed by attending to the elders. If you do not wish to receive communion, please simply just place your hand over your heart, and the elder on either side will bless you as you walk past. Thank you. As we prepare for these elements, bow your heads in prayer as the elders give the prayer for the element.
1: Jesus, you said of yourself that you were the bread of life. And so you gave us these symbols so that we could remember. And you ask us to remember you ask us to remember that if we would be willing to take you into ourselves as we take the bread into ourselves that we could be nourished and fed give us the grace to accept you into our lives amen
2: thank you lord for this great sacrifice that you have done you gave your life and shed your blood that we might have freedom, that we may have life, that we may know that when we clothe ourselves with your righteousness, we are free to participate in your kingdom. We thank you that you challenge us to bring your kingdom to this world. And as we partake of these symbols today, may we be uh, rewarded with your Holy Spirit filling us so that we can share your kingdom with others. In Christ's name, amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. (coughs) tradition surrounding the upper room experience is that they sang a hymn and left. Please turn to 397, an upper room. Oh, you who modeled loving care and sacrifice, teach us to steward and to give to a world that you've called us to. In Christ's name, amen.